Welcome, welcome. We made it. We're at episode number 20 of the Black on Black Education Podcast. And since this is the first time most of you guys are hearing from me in 2020, I want to wish everybody a happy new year and a happy new decade. Big shout to my not-so-little one, Eva Loren, for coming up with this idea and inviting me to join her on this journey. Um, 2019, we learned a lot, and we look forward to what we're able to create um, with the rest of the team in 2020 and beyond. Um, Some of that's going to be created with today's guest, Mr. Keon Brown, a friend to the room. Um, He is co-founder of the Maroon Society and host and producer of Everyday.Black. He does much more. He's currently getting his master's in educational technology. And uh, I've seen firsthand the effect that this gentleman has on uh, on the youth. So um, look forward to bringing you this combo. Uh, we talk about traditional versus non-traditional education settings. Um, a trip he just took to Ghana with his Kappa League students. Uh, we dive into Pan-Africanism, um, Achieve.co, which is another project that's interesting that he has going on. Um, we talk about the importance of empathy in education. You don't want to miss that part. And, and perhaps my favorite part of the interview is when he talks about his late father's effect on his choice to be so active in helping kids. So please listen intently and enjoy our conversation with Keon. So we are here with uh, our good friend, Keon Brown. I'm happy to have him on the podcast today. Um, He and I have known one another for probably about five years now. We originally met uh, in our time with uh, Momentum Education. Um, And, uh, you know, always a good brother, good energy, has had a a lot of experience in the the education space. So we wanted to get him on today to to talk through some of those experiences. And um, thank you for joining us, Keon. And thank you for having me. So grateful for what you're doing and the opportunity to share. So Keon is a, is a renaissance man of sorts. He, uh, you know, he had, he's always got a whole bunch of different things going on. Um, I think where we'll start, though, is the fact that he's worked kind of both in the, uh, in the traditional education space as well as a non-traditional education space. And so, Keon, if you can kind of talk to for us, um, you know, what the differences have been, or just, you know, share kind of some of your experiences, um, and then just what the differences have been from being kind of in the system versus out the system and the effect that you're able to have on, uh, on, on building the, the, the young minds of, uh, of our youth. Well, first of all, I'm a graduate of North Carolina Central University, their school of education. Um, I studied, um, history education at NCCU. Um, you know, I did, <laughs> um, student teaching at an elementary level and needless to say I didn't really enjoy it so I decided to change my major to go to secondary so that I could be with some of the older kind of kids I don't know from the south so when the kids are like they call them ankle biters when they're when they're acting in a certain way and I can't really <laughs> discipline them in a way that I'm used to disciplining my you know from from my parents or from the adults in my life I was like I can't I can't do this right I need the older cats right. uh so <laughs> You know, many, many years later, after graduating from college in education, I found myself in New York uh, in one of the top 25 worst schools in the city. Hmm. And so um, my time in the classroom was li- has been limited because of my purview and what I've seen in the effects that, you know, rubrics and evaluation and like uh, rules and regulations uh, have many, many teachers kind of stuck. Uh, and to be quite honest, um, my time in Africa um, illuminated the history and the information that we as students don't have access to. And so I'm still trying to gather myself on, is the information available? We're not sharing it or we don't even know it to share it. And, and so what, what you're speaking to there is, is the history, like our history past these shores or our history back in Africa. Yeah, that's definitely a piece. I think if you're not able to or unwilling to speak on the history of your people or our people or American societies, um, what else are you unwilling or what, what are we actually teaching? If we're not teaching the truth of history, then what else are we talking about in all the other subjects? <laughs> so um, as far as tradition, that was my purview, being in one of the worst schools in New York. Um, loved the kids, had such an amazing experience, still in contact with some of those kids even today. Um, whether I helped them get jobs, whether I wrote recommendations for colleges or for jobs, or um, I'm about to collaborate as an artist uh, musically with one of my former students. Uh, so 
I enjoy the students, but I had to get out of there um, because as a mentor, as someone that works, of course, you said Kappa League, someone who is now the director of our Kappa League program, within one year, we had a 188% increase in students. We did go to Ghana, took 16 age boys to Africa, came back. Now we have 26 young men. Right. And so now I'm able to develop the curriculum and teach them things that I don't believe that some of them get from home and definitely not from schools. So right. that's some of my experiences in you know traditional and non-traditional education. Got it. Got it. Um, and it's so interesting there that, you know, so, so, you know, I guess some people do look at teaching as just a, you know, quote unquote job, but you know, for you, I imagine it being more of a calling because, you know, after leaving something so traditional, you know, you're still out here doing the work. So it's, it's still something that, uh, you know, that, that you're focusing on as, as, as important. Um, and you know, look, 26 kids is, 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 is 26 kids. And, you know, if you're in an environment where you, where you interact with, you know, hundreds of kids, but you can't have, uh, the effect you want because of rigid, you know, kind of rules and structure, um, then it's far better to go and, and be able to share with, uh, you know, with those, those 26, um, and I'm sure it's more than that. I know that's just in, um, you know, in the Kappa League. So we, we, we definitely, um, you know, salute you for that. Um, go a little bit deeper around, um, you know, your trip to Africa. Um, what, what, what was so, what was insightful there um, and how that has an effect on um, what you believe every uh, young person should know that they're not necessarily getting from a traditional education. Man, Africa was hot, were full. Um, we went to Ghana, West Africa. Um, I have a couple friends and fraternity brothers there, so they were our guides. We we went to so many places. Went to Cape Coast, Accra, Kumasi, Kumasi, where most of the Ashanti people were royal fighters. Um, just man, I didn't know until I got there that the first president and prime minister of Ghana, you know, was educated in America, pledged Phi Beta Sigma. Went to Harvard, went to Lincoln University, um, negotiated the independence of the country with the Queen in 1957, or just before that, they were granted it in 1957. Um, I didn't know that this gentleman um, was the only, that I know of, head of state twice, right? So once he was the president of Ghana, there was a coup at some point where he was removed from office or left office and then went to Guinea where his boy was the president. He became the co-president of Guinea. Mm. And so he... <laughs> so. I mean, this is somebody who is, a, who, who is African, who came to America, got education, went back, led his own nation, and made history. And I had to be 37 years old, 36 years old at that time, to find that out. Right. I, found, like, I felt that that was an atrocity um, for myself and me and the six teenagers. We learned it together. Yeah, it was a bonding moment. Yeah, standing in his mausoleum. Uh, and I cry learning about his history was amazing. It's powerful for all of us. But in my mind, I was like, this is, a, this is nuts. This to, 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 to not know this prior to coming here is kind of crazy. So that's where everyday black comes from. That's where me being in graduate school right now, developing curriculum uh, that will support educators uh, to be able to teach about uh, people of color in an empowering way so that we can go beyond the shackles of slavery as the, origin of black people and right. as everyday black kind of goes into this next 30 days talking about black inventions and all the things that we use and experience every day you know being attributed to a black person right. uh, i'm excited to share that information and um yeah so africa was amazing putting my feet in the water where our ancestors had their last kind of bath before mm -hmm. going to the door of no return um, to go on a boat to never see their homeland again was right. very very powerful ritualistic even it was it was it was pretty incredible yeah man i i um i often you know kind of speak to people around um you know history and things to that effect and 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 how you know where would why would black kids think that there was black before slavery if that's you know, where we start, you know, their, their education. We start, okay, yeah, we, people came over, um, sold, and then they ended up over here. If, if that's all that um, is communicated in, in history class, wh where would they get, you know, the, the, the required information to, to understand that there's a super rich history um, that, 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 went on prior to that. Um, and what does that do to somebody's psych psychology? Like what, what, what does it do um, to, to think of the beginning of your um, people as, as you know, this 
atrocity versus understanding that that you come from a rich lineage um, of kings, queens, and 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 people where there were lots of things going on far before. And this is something that I'm only you know recently starting to um, to to look at and and, and address because it just it it, was, it wasn't shared with me. Uh, my parents didn't share it with me. Their parents didn't share it with them, um, and nobody shared it in school. So it, it it becomes something that people have to go out and seek themselves. And what eleven, twelve, thirteen year old is doing that? You know, it, it's if unless they have folks like yourself um, to start to share the information, they'll they'll pretty much never get it. Uh, so. Can you talk to to what you feel like it does from a you know almost psychology perspective? I know you're not a psychologist, but what does that give um, you know kids that they that they that they're not getting today from a traditional education setting? And yeah, and thank you for saying that in that way. Um, yeah, ideally you would get the information from home, but you know as you say, our parents didn't share it to us. Their parents didn't share it with them. Um, I believe, and also I wanted to go back to we went to Ghana because also it was a year of return. 400 years, 1619 to 2019, 400 years anniversary of slaves coming from the shores of Jamestown, uh, Virginia, uh, most coming from Ghana, most uh, enslaved Africans coming from uh, the nation of Ghana, most West Africa, most in West Africa. Um, I believe, and I won't talk too much about it because it's my thesis in, in graduate school and I'm not done with it yet. <laughs> so um, I believe that the withholding I would say miseducation of not only black people, but American students is a form of radicalization. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that the um, lack of information, the lack of knowledge um, is having us to perish. That's in the Bible, um, a lack, lack of knowledge. Um, you cannot stand, you, you will perish <laughs> for your lack of knowledge. Uh, and it's not because the, the information is not available. There are, uh, UNESCO from the United Nations has a nine volume set of African history written from an African perspective. My goal with the Maroon Society, we'll talk about that in a minute, I'm, I'm sure, will, my goal is to get the physical volumes into the hands of every HBCU, historically black college mm-hmm. university in the nation, mm-hmm. um, but also give digital rights, which is passwords or whatever those rights to all colleges and universities. It's important, especially black students. Like you need to know this as historians, somebody that studied history, you need to have access to this, you know, written history from the African perspective, not this this bull or just this, this propaganda that we are, you know, being fed. I mean, come on, propaganda says that African Africa is full of little babies with big bellies that flies in their eyes, which is what? Like, but you're not gonna know anything else. That's why people don't come. And I'm listening to the tourism minister from Ghana before we went and said, people are not coming because they're scared. Well, why would they be scared? Because all we know is war, oil, um, you know, famine, disease, you know, all this stuff is what we've been taught about Africa, but in actuality. And I'll say this, when I got there, remember our president says, go back to where you came from. When I get there, they say, you belong here and you need to, you don't, you either don't need to leave or when are you coming back? And so this is, this I want to go. This is specific to Ghana because I, I I didn't yeah. didn't, I wasn't unaware of that. I, I'm, I'm I've heard other people state that um, that lots of places there, you know, black Americans get looked at like you know like this is not your you know kind of they get the kind of stiff arm. Um, so that, that oh. was their experience. I've only been to Ghana, um, and I have friends that we're going to South Africa this year with the Catholic Capoli. We'll be visiting Botswana uh, and also Dubai. Uh, and so everybody that I know that went to Ghana I mean, have, have had very similar experiences. Like, why are you leaving? When are you coming back? Are you going to buy property? Are you going to get citizenship? Like, this is where you belong. So you should prepare to be here. And I'm like, right. why, why would I go home? I mean, I got to go to work on Monday, but thank you. I, <laughs> right. feel like I, I feel like I'm wanted and needed and, and my investment will actually change lives. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I love it. I love it. Um, it, I mean, it speaks to, a, a, a you know, history is one thing, uh, but I also like to think about future. And I, I you know, I, I asked the question, you know, we have history class, but why don't we also have future class? Um, and, and future class could be the story of, of that we write together. Um, and there can be a pan-Africanism in that story where, where, where we write stories of uh, what it looks like for young people here to start businesses with young people there, where um, I know there's a time difference and everything, but where where at some point in time, if it's nine o'clock in the morning, you know, over there, and and, and two o'clock in the afternoon here, I don't know whether that's the, the the exact time difference, where where we do a 
video call between classrooms and there's some type of shared projects um, where, where we're thinking about you know what what it looks like for you know the, the minerals and resources that are in the ground over there us starting businesses where where it's not like here you go china take these minerals and do something you know that 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 produces a product or service but where we create businesses where we bring about the the, the products and services together um as as black americans african americans and folks who who live um in africa in in, in, the, in the in the in the continent of africa so um is that something you've ever kind of given given any thought to you know what it would look and feel like to start to uh reimagine the, the future of how our people interact absolutely <laughs> absolutely touching my feet on that ground there i changed the trajectory of my entire career mm -hmm. um i you know i do a lot of things but Academia is something that I am leaning more into in 2020. I'll complete a master's degree uh, in educational technology. Uh, I'm believing this year, December 2020. Uh, and then after that, uh, I'll be a professor. And I have a relationship with people in Ghana. Uh, my organization has land there. Uh, we're talking to architects about building a property there. And in it would be just that you know, a multimedia kind of environment where they can come and sit in that space in Kumasi, West Africa, Ghana, uh, and, and experience North Carolina Central University or New York City or whomever. They can tap into right. a class that's being taught in California or right. in Japan or in whatever. Absolutely. And, and also an exchange program to get the African students to come to America and then for as many as possible American students to visit Africa. Uh, and in an educational context, and even in the building that I'm building, a lot of my clients are professional athletes or uh, professional artists or entertainers. Um, they go to so many places to train and to record or to do whatever they do. But my goal is to create a almost like a retreat center uh, that will allow them to do their recording or do their pre and post workouts and training there. So not right. only can they do whatever they would do here in, in, in America, they would also be able to get their rich history and people and places and feelings and water and air and well, you can't drink the water, but you know, <laughs> I want them to have an experience right. there right. instead of going to Houston or Boca Raton, Florida to do some preseason training, go to yeah. Africa. Oh, but yes, answer your question. Absolutely. Create an environment where there can be exchange, where there can be education, where uses of technology will allow um, a cultural exchange, information exchange, you know, virtually and actually physically. So, oh. Go. Um, since, since you did speak to, you know, technology and, and, and that's what you're, you know, currently studying, um, what's, what's come out of your studies so far? I, I've, I've recently been taking a, you know, a deep dive into um, ed tech and, and you, you know, you kind of get um, people speaking, you know, both sides of the equation that, the, you know, that uh, the physical book people learn more uh, than, than, than if they're, if they're reading a physical book versus if they read something um, on a screen or, or same thing with, with writing versus typing. Um, have you, are, are you, are, are there studies, research, are you seeing, seeing certain technologies um, that are giving a, you know, better educational outcomes. Um, and the, the one disclaimer I'll, I'll put in there, or at least my thought on why these things haven't worked so, so far is that throughout the course of human history, you know, we've read physical books and wrote, writ, wrote on paper. This stuff is new. So you, you got You got to kind of come up with a new methodology where, where you can't just say, okay, we, we just came out with this stuff and it doesn't work. Um, you, people have to get accustomed to, to it. We have to get accustomed to how to present it and utilize it for, for our educational purposes. So um, can you just shine some light or, or on um, what you're taking in in school um, in, in, in that regard and, and uh, you know, how maybe even some examples of, of, of things that you're use, using now with students that are, are having good uh, educational outcomes? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I don't have, you know, data particular, particularly, um, but I'll say even last night in class, I'm taking a um, interactive research class mm -hmm. and also interactive game design. Uh, currently, we just started this semester, so that's kind of what I'm into now. Um, but Professor was just talking about a, a app called Flipgraph or Flipgram or something of that nature that uh, 
you know, we had to do reflections and typically it could be written or it could, he said you can use Flipgram, which is basically what we're doing here. I can do a selfie video and talk about what I learned as opposed to writing it. And for me, someone who creates content, and that's why I have a light here and I have a, you know, I have a setup where I can have a interview or a conversation like this and it be lit and, and mic well and all that. I have that stuff. So when they said that I can do a video of, you know, what someone else is going to write, the way my brain works, I love that. And, you know, I wanted to say it's also about access to technology. It's not about and, it's about educators' willingness to be trained on how to utilize the technology. You don't have to have a master's degree in educational technology to be able to use technology in the classroom. Yes, that degree will support you in the, in the latest you know, uh, things that are out there that can support you. But I remember being at that school before, for four, four and a half years, and teachers not being willing, having an unwillingness to do PD around how to be a better teacher. Right. Because they were tenured or they were whatever. It's like, okay, so you've been around for 25 years, 30 years, but technology is different now. And everybody got a cell phone. And if you're not willing to figure out how to create some digital resources, whether that's you know, doing YouTube videos to kind of deep dive into conversations that you can't have in class because of time or um, get into animation of, you know, something. I remember I like history because my mentor said history is like gossip. And so it's basically telling a story. So that's what kind of got my ears perking about communicating a story. So this is what happened. See, the king, he, you know, and then after that, you know, right. everybody had to die. <laughs> you, have to figure, you have to figure it out to get people excited and so i hope that helps but I, you know, it does it does using social media is like incredible uh, and that's what kind of i'm working on with everyday black because you can right. go to everyday.black and see a whole page i'm not done yet clearly but you know you click on a picture and it takes you to a youtube video talking about the the character of black history or you go under and it says learn more and it takes you to an article right. so yeah they're still reading but i can send you a link as opposed to you having to carry a big behind book Right. And you can go on the airport. You can do it on the on an airplane. You can do it on the bus. Right. That's right. easier for young people. Right. And it's these issues like they it gives me a headache because I, I <laughs> it does me because I, I get I get like okay I'm excited and then it's just like but access to the tools you know like when when it's if everybody doesn't have access to the tools then you know we're right back to square one where you know we we clearly can't buy everybody ipads and and, and um but and, and most school systems do have access to the technology the importance is you would say most my, most underserved most, communities I, I don't i can't i don't have the, that data but okay. i do know that uh, even in the school that I was in, uh, had access to iPads or had access to computer systems. Um, as long as you have Wi-Fi and internet, that is a heavy lift. I'm not saying that, that I think that's the minimum. Broadband internet recently, or Wi-Fi. And I saw something recently, and I, I, I don't know whether, I feel like it was around New York City. Um, it says something in the area of 40% of kids in, in, um, in, some, in what would be considered underserved communities didn't have Wi-Fi at home. Um, and, and didn't have internet at home. So they have phones, you know, where you can, obviously you can get, get you know, away with a lot on a, on a, on a phone and, and, and perhaps from an educational technology perspective, that's where we need to be, you know, pointing a lot of our resources. But, you know, there's a the difference between trying to work on this thing versus, you know, working on this thing. Like it's, it's the, the, the iPad, it's, it's bigger, you, you know, but Again, if I guess you got to meet people where they are. So if they have the phones, you yeah. know, building building the tools where they can get it, um, you know, on the phones. I, I, I imagine that that's a, probably is a place that we need to spend more and more time. It's cheaper. Look, financially, look, I have an iPhone 11. I have two phones, right? One when I do my show, I have a different angle. I do it all my all on my phone, right? So it's cheaper to get someone a smartphone that can tap into the internet than to do what? Build a whole infrastructure and lay fiberglass and wires and stuff like that for a whole group to have it. Or right. am I going to get a couple of phones? Right. I'm going to get a couple of devices that maybe not iPads because they're big, but minis are, you know, smaller and smaller. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I just, you know, you think about, because after I finish this master's, I'm going right into a doctoral program in, in leadership. Uh, and those are the kind of things that we were, we were kind of like talking about. Do we invest in, you know, individual resources or do we invest our budgets into uh, larger kind of pieces? To me, the content creation is my lane. So I'm, that's why I'm developing content that's available 
whatever device you have, right. as long as you have Wi-Fi and you're able to tap into the internet, you have access to this. Got so it. make sure that people have access to internet, maybe not at home, because you know, once you get home, if you have no internet, then you probably don't play any games or you don't have any, like, what are you doing? You know right. what I mean? Like, I'm just thinking, right? I know what some people who don't have internet and in, in, in underserved communities are doing, uh, but you have to kind of pick your battles. And right. uh, for me, the battle is the content and the narrative. That's the bigger fight for me. Because when right. you get on the web, where the first thing you're going to go to? Do you go to Google? Do you go to CNN? Do you go to, you know, some type of financial kind of thing to invest? Right. Like, what, what are you typing in? I want you to type in Keon Brown. I want you to type in, you know, uh, Everyday Black. I want right. you to uh, tap into um, how to get smart or <laughs> something that's going right. to fuel your mind. Right. And so that's kind of where I my lane uh, in this season of my life. Right. Yeah. You want people to achieve. Um, so we you know, come on. <laughs> talk to me about it. Talk to me about achieve and you know how you utilize that word um as, as kind of a foundation for um a lot of what you do. Um and and you know how you kind of put that as a as a part of the spirit for for the for the kids that you uh that, that you work with. Yeah, man, I love achieve. Uh, we're actually going through a redesign right now. This is our we're gonna call our founders design. It's the original um so as far as branding is concerned, there's a big movement. If you look at Google and uh, many of your logos that have like font, they had like script or something like that, but then they kind of cleaned it up and now it's kind of like a bold, kind of like clean image. So we're going to go through that as well coming up in this first quarter. But um, Achieve is the fourth and final part of a four-part kind of what I call order of operations for living. Um, first you dream, uh, then you speak the dream uh then you believe uh, what you say and then you do your due diligence uh and you achieve and so you dream speak believe and achieve and so achieve is like the brand is the manifestation the tangible the physical manifestation of a dream right. that i spoke that i believed in and i worked hard for it, and i achieved it and right. so that's what i teach when i travel i'm always teaching from one of those distinctions and you know achieve um the brand has kind of just blown up a little bit, you know, it's not my primary source of income, but it's so beautiful to see people wear chief hats and then chief shirts and they'll take their, take the pictures and send it to us. And, you know, I, I just appreciate it. Matter of fact, one of my former students from that, that high school that I worked at, um, I named him vice president. So, you know, cause I, he's young, he's 22. He got a little son now. It's like, what do I need to do? What colors do we need to use? What, how do we style this? What kind of music do we need to put on the back of this? Cause I'm old. <laughs> when you think about these students that I used to teach and right. you know, now I'm bringing them in as consultants. I'm bringing them in as partners so that we can okay. grow this business and, and, and create something that when someone sees it, even if they're trapping or even if they're, you know, caught up in some, in some things that they shouldn't be doing, or even if they're just having a bad day and they need some encouragement when they see the achieve brand, Right. Whether it's a T-shirt, a fanny pack, a flip-flop, or whatever it might be, right. it's not just a word. The word means to rise or to get from where you are so that you can get to where you want to be. Right. And so that's why it's very important for me. And uh, and where can folks find uh, this this fly hat? Yeah, I don't really wear hats. I got a weird shaped head, or something like that. <laughs> you know, where, where where can we find um, the the you know some of the some of the uh, items, the merch, the swag, the swag, um, achieve.co, achieve.co. And just go to keonbrown.com. It's there as well. But achieve.co, we we're merging everything into that brand now. I love it. I love it. Um, and I also really love that that four part um mental model because it's you know it's it's something that will allow you to you can kind of go backwards you know and, and work with kids and, and you know, do something as simple as ask them did they always you know kind of know how to walk and you know well, of course I didn't always know how to walk but you looked up at the adults around you you know and, and in your head you dreamt it you may not remember that but that's exactly what happened you dreamt about walking you know as a result of looking at other people doing it and then you know you you you, you didn't have to say it but you know you said it with your actions you kept you know trying to, to get yourself up you know on a day-to-day -day basis and 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 you believed I was going to be able to walk just like one of these people and then you achieved it um, and so today, you know, how, how pe people try things over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and with, without, well, then we tried things over and over again. Now people try things two or three times and say, I tried everything. Um, and without recognizing that the, the same effort that it, that it took, you know, for you to walk 
the same way you had to to try you know hundreds or thousands of times that's what you might have to do you know to achieve you know some of these more complex goals that we now have um as an adult and so i feel like that that's a, it's a fantastic model that you can lay out for people um that that gets them to kind of see it's not just enough to want it you know it, you, you you have to move through a process by which um you know in, in order to get it so I, I i like that a lot and i also want to say just to that piggyback off of that uh young people don't dream uh, like I did when I was, you know, younger, like I continue to to do at this point in my life. But so dreaming being the first kind of phase really speaks to the mattering conversation. And even with the Kappa Leaguers, you know, just really dreaming big and really, you know, spending some time thinking about what, what do you see in your kind of spiritual eye or your, you know, not in your natural, you know what I mean? We're not, I'm not asking you how you're going to accomplish it. I'm just asking, what are you dreaming about? Like what is in your dreams? And, and some, some young people have a hard time, you know, with that kind of conversation and that yeah. question or that line of thinking. And so right. that's something that you get to, you know, tackle at home. Uh, and also just how do you create an environment that encourages, encourages depth right. or dreaming or right. going beyond the surface? There's so many distinctions in teaching and you know, learning and growing. So right, yeah. I mean, every everybody's aspirational, um, but some people's aspirations are like in this little kind of hole right here. You know, it, it, for some people, it's it, you know, based on wherever it was that they grew up or whoever, you know, how, how they grew up. Um, it could just be you know, basketball, rap, like that, that, that. Those become the YouTube star. Those become the extent um, of their lens with which to 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 aspire to or to or to dream to. And if we can, you know, kind of give people, you know, binoculars and then even, a, you know, like, like a microscope sometimes so that they can just see a bunch of little things that let them come back and say, oh, wow, this is really what I want to focus on. Just And it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to want to work on basketball because I work with professional athletes and I understand that if this is something you want to do, then that's all you can do. I'm not trying to give you a, a plan B because really you don't need a plan B if you're trying to be a professional athlete. You, that needs to be your all in all. Now, if you're unwilling to do that, then let's talk about something else. Right. If you're not willing to do professional, you know, if you're not willing to uh, be the first one there and the last one to leave, if you're not looking to, you know, blood, sweat, and tears athletics, then what, let's shift our conversation on that being a hobby for you. And let's kind of see and pivot uh, what your contribution to the planet is going to be uh, right. non-athletically. That ain't gonna happen and, if you're not and, going to work on time. And even when it when it's athletically, it could be you know some there's so many things that are adjacent to you know to to um, you know being the guy who, who who dribbles the ball. You know, like there, there there's lots of you could be the guy who um, shows all of the people who who dribble what to do pro- properly with their money, and Absolutely. you know, and 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 kill it. You can be the guy who who links them to to uh, opportunities outside of of. Um, basketball and 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 gets them connected to brands and things to that effect and and that goes in that goes into character i just want to hop in because these are this is what we're talking about this is this mm-hmm. is great dialogue uh, now we're going out of athleticism which is skill skills and talents to then now these are typically what you're talking about management financial resources you know all these things that athletes need all that has interpersonal skills uh things that need to be honed that might not be natural to one person right which is which is life. <laughs> but if, if you're a, if you're a loner and you don't think you matter and you want to be a basketball player and you get a sprained ankle and you can't play and then you depress, well then let me tell you one thing. Uh, what's available to you is so greater, so much greater than dribbling that ball, not to discredit it, not to downgrade or water it down the joy that you feel when you're playing that ball, but, but what you do off the court, the character that you're designing for yourself is right. so much more important than how many rebounds or assists that you put on the board. Right. Um, so I just want to say that because this oh. is the conversation we're having right now. Mm-hmm. These kids want to be professional athletes, and that's so amazing. And I want to help them to to achieve that. Um, but it's not just being LeBron. LeBron is a, a anomaly. He is a black unicorn. Right. Uh, they, they they changed policies after he came through. Right. So it's like they don't understand that. Back in the day when he came through, you didn't have to go to college. Now you do. You know, they close that door. They're actually switching. They're actually switching it back. Um, but until they do, right. <laughs> <laughs> and even the, even the girls, even the WNBA. So it's one year for guys, but three years for girls. Mm. So it's it's a it's a very it's a very right. interesting you know kind of thing that that kids don't understand. You're just not going to be LeBron. Nobody right. can be LeBron. Right. You know what I'm saying? Shoot, nobody can be Jordan at this right. point. Nobody can be Kobe. Right. 
you know what I'm saying? Because of a LeBron and because of a Jordan, then there is a Stephen Curry because right. he's not the big guy that can power through, but right. the guy who can shoot the threes has now revolutionized how important the three-point shot is in the league. He's a bad, bad man. He's a bad, bad man. Yeah. <laughs> you go on yeah. um i you know as we uh, as we start to come to a close um no <laughs> talk, talk to me about the the maroon society um and and, and what you do uh what you do there yes yeah, so the maroon society is a nonprofit organization 501c3 certified um you know we started it the concept you know in 2016 even before then we we were talking about coming together supporting people uh, we uh, we really said radical love, radical information, and radical service, mm. right? Um, but they said, you know, radical is such a crazy word. I'm like, yeah, because coming from the church, if you have a radical need, if there's something in your life that you really, really need, my dad always just say, you got to give a radical praise mm. right now. <laughs> so, so if you want something crazy, you got to give a crazy praise. Right. So I believe that to have all of our students be able to travel abroad uh, and have access to Africa or have access to something beyond our current shores, right. we got to do some radical things. Uh, and so what are we doing? Uh, we have land in Kumasi, West Africa, in Ghana. Um, we're building a building there. Like I said before, it's going to be like a retreat center. Not only is it going to just you know be available for athletes and artists and people who are bringing their teams and they need a boardroom and some conference facilities and spa treatments and things of that nature. It's mm -hmm. also going to be for students, no matter what you're studying, to be there to learn and grow, whether mm -hmm. that's our tech center or uh, hospitality majors will help to manage the property uh, so they can have a incubator uh, for real life, tangible right. learning experience of what they're looking to do in their lives. Right. Um, and also we have our Achieve Awards that we, that we had twice in 2019, which is amazing. Great. We honored uh, Muhammad Wilkerson, former NFL player, uh, Robert Rashard, everybody knows his, co his cousin Skeeter, he was around. And um, a couple other guys were, were, were there. Uh, but we just want to honor people who are extraordinary, who are you know, regular individuals who are doing extraordinary things. Um, right. So, and also everybody eats, which is really cool. We, after our awards, we go and create bags and deliver them to people who might be experiencing hunger or mm -hmm. don't have homes. Um, right. So the Maroon Society is one last thing. My father passed away in April of 2019. And so what we did was we used his name to create a fellowship. So we have the Terry F. Brown Achieve Fellowship. Uh, this, in 2019, we had the president of the Student Government Association uh, from my alma mater, North Carolina Central University, to be our first fellow. So he came to New York and spent the summer with me, uh, working and learning, and just really preparing him for his year of the presidency back in North Carolina. So it was so amazing to have him here before he took the presidency. He right. won the election, came up here, got trained. Now he's in it, breaking records, doing amazing things. And so that's kind of how we want to support my father's legacy um, by training leadership, training leaders for global citizenship. Uh, and so that's one of the, the things that I love about the Maroon Society as we train young people for global citizenship. Dope, dope. Um, I mean, while, while we're there, talk a little bit about your father and, and, and how... Um, whatever he has, you know, what, what did he do right um, that's caused you to be so driven and to care so much and to, you know, provide so much service to, 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 to so many? What, what, what was it um, that him and your mom did that, uh, you know, that led you to um, want to help as much as you did? Um, well, <laughs> thanks for asking about my pops. Um, my, my father was a pastor and um, he started out as a banker and was the executive director of a company called respite, which was for people who were, I don't know the terminology now, but you know, back then mentally retarded. Um, that was the terminology. I know that's not accurate in this. There's other, there's disabilities and things of that nature that you can utilize, but you would drop off the, the families would drop off the, the, the person uh, and we would take care of them. The organization was called respite. What is, what does relief look like? And it was called respite. So they got to go on a date. They got to go out and drop, drop their, their, their children off. 
And that was a very humbling experience because it was a house and they dropped them off and my dad was typically there, whoever else the staff was, but I was there too. So I was able to see something as a, as a very young person, um, develop empathy and develop um, a passion for serving people who may need support. Um, my mother is an educator, so she, she's always been in some type of situation where she was at a, a house by the Methodist church called the receiving home for abused and neglected teenagers. And so she had to stay there on some weekends and we went with her. And so her job was to go and cook and to facilitate that weekend with those young persons. I remember being on the porch and there's this young lady who's like, we would call it kind of punked out with like all black, black, but still, you know, smoking a cigarette. And me, can you just imagine me as a young person, like looking up at her on the porch, like, you know, just, but that was, that was uniquely our family, right. you know, and then in the, in the ministry, my dad, you know, preached in the prisons and, you know, there are people who were addicted to drugs who knocked, knocked on our doors very late at night. And, you know, uh, we had access to all that. We saw all that and, right. and how our parents dealt with all of that. Right. Um, so you got, and, you got and, it on. Yeah. At the end of the day, we, they, I tell them all, I told them all the time that they spoiled us. They, they, they ruined us because we have the heart for people. Uh, and that won't change. And I'm not mad about it at all. And um, everyone matters. Everyone gets an opportunity to live the lives that they dream about. And uh, there's something that God has called unconditional love for us. And that's kind of what draws me into the work that I'm able to do. Um, letting a young person know that they matter and giving them a space where they can share without judgment or consequence um, and creating an environment where people just know that they are loved. is something maybe this, that teachers sometimes you can't do, you know, because of rules and regulations and rubrics and evaluations. Um, But I'm able to do it and I'm really, really excited about it. And it it makes life so beautiful to see young people uh, run into you on the street and say, man, oh man, I almost broke down, bro. Um, One kid came up to me and said, man, when I was in high school, you taught me so many things. I'm so grateful and I love you so much. And I was like, this cat, I mean, he's about to graduate from college. I right. hardly recognized him, right. and uh, I was probably looking crazy walking on, down the street doing whatever I was doing, and he just grabbed me, and I was like, what's up? Right. It was just an amazing encounter, and I said, wow, that was God saying, you're doing what you need to be doing, continue and be in excellence, and uh, keep doing it. I love it. I love it. I mean, I, I think that, you know, from a 21st century skills perspective, um, empathy has to be right up there within the, you know, in, in, in the top space. Um, being able to, you know, put yourself in a position where where you look at the, you know, the 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 world through somebody else's eyes and 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 try to understand um, how they arrived at the place that they arrived and and you know with a, with a place of of not judgment um, and also thinking back to you know your own life and how it, some sometimes it's like I'm lucky you know I'm I'm so fortunate and I'm grateful for that for, for, for you know for that my parents grew up um in the in the projects you know what I mean it's and 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 they worked so that I did not then 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 have to and then they you know provided a, a, a picture of um you know what you know what 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 life you know should be like and they weren't perfect in any way shape form or fashion but they you know they 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 made a jump that I didn't it would have been my responsibility to do the the same thing it's now my responsibility to build upon you know what 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 it is that they've done and um I think I've done a pretty good job with my daughter if I do say so myself you know big shout out to Eva um <laughs> absolutely Eva what up Eva yeah <laughs> Kia knows Eva um yeah. so it, it it's um yeah, empathy is just it's it's one of those things that um you know has to start to be imbued within um our institutions school you know being being one of them I, i'm not sure what the what rules or rubrics you know prevent it from being such but um it's my sincere hope that more and more teachers do find ways um to to help people understand you know one, one another I, I uh i think about simple things like it's i mean i don't know how simple it is but but it's simple. It's probably not easy, but you know, kids in Scarsdale should be hanging out with kids from Harlem in or, or the South Bronx in some way, shape, form, or fashion. They should be interacting with each other, whether it be the schools deciding to take a trip at the same time to the Museum of Natural History, and then having some type of program and discussion as as things go along, so that people can then stay in touch with one another. And then when you know the folks from Scarsdale or the folks from Harlem go on to be business leaders tomorrow 
they're not sitting down to interview, you know, with the the the, the person of of the opposite race or socioeconomic background for the first time. They've seen people like this before. They've known people like this before. They've thought about those people's experiences, and as a result, they 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 now um, are able to, to to break some of these you know systemic uh, challenges that we've had forever and ever and ever. So um, I, I want to keep talking. Yeah, about technology. You guys use technology too. That's a that's a great way to do it too. Even in New York, right? right. New York is bigger than some small countries, and so you know, for people who are listening who aren't from New York, it's like <laughs> the Bronx and Harlem, or Queens and Harlem, or the Bronx or Staten Island. You know, even if we started out like this and having having an exchange program, we used to do that when I when I was in, in, in earlier days at school, um, having pen pals and having. Mm-hmm. Uh, opportunities to engage and now with technology <clears throat> getting my capital leaders prepared to speak on camera is very very important and so that's cross trend those skills are cross transferable mm-hmm. you're able to speak on cam- camera and see yourself and know kind of your angle and how to you know what is going to be the best look and and how to be professional those are things that we're preparing them for when they do interact in environments that are unfamiliar, they right. can always resort to what they've been taught. Same right. thing is when I'm working with athletes and, 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 and training them and getting them prepared for on camera, you know, to speak to the press. Uh, and what if they ask you a question that you don't know the answer to? Well, there's a talking point that you kind of go back to. So if you don't know the answer or if you don't want to answer the answer, you go to the talking point. And so that kind of, you know, kind of training, you know, can can support in those environments dealing with people from different races and different cultures and different experiences even before you get there right. uh, this this year the kids are going to south africa they're going to be able to uh, speak virtually to people that they're going to actually meet when they get there right. so i can't wait for, right. for, for that experience not that we're teaching them to don't do this and don't do that but it's like they want they, ha- they have regular questions like you know do y'all have whatever like they, they ask some crazy questions like do y'all have running water do right. you have which is not a stupid question it's like you know people based on what the propaganda here is right. like do y'all, do y'all got giraffes and and uh stuff running through the streets y'all got right. lions you know just in the streets it's like no not right. in these streets you know what I'm saying? Right. if you go up north they got game reserves where you can see the the, <laughs> the animals but right. in my local thing right next to my school no maybe right. a goat and a chicken Right. I, and I'm really safe. I can walk down the streets. You know what I'm saying? So, and, uh, and, and, and empathy allows empathy allows for people to ask those questions, which may be they may sound silly. You know what I mean to the person who's receiving them, and and, and it could immediately cause a rift in relationships. Like stupid. Like it, it, whereas, <laughs> just take a deep breath, give people the benefit of the doubt that you know they're not asking. They're asking. I mean, it is out of ignorance, but it's it, but not ignorance in a bad way. Like it's 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 right. ignorance in that that this is something that needs to be filled in filled in for them. So it's um, also about love, Jamal. Love, love, love. Right. So empathy is unavailable to you unless you have love in your heart. Mm. And love is not to me. Love is a choice, and it's not. It's a feeling. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Love is a choice. You know what I'm saying? If it's cold outside, if it's cold in a room, it's you're going to have a reaction. You know what I'm saying? So thereby, you have to like you know, rub yourself or you have to, you know, throw a coat on and you have to, you know, figure yourself out and get warm. Just like love, <clears throat> when you're faced with a situation, you can either choose not to love and say something ignorant or you can, or, or petty, which is intentional. It's not something that is, it's, it's intentional. Well, petty is automatic for me. Right. So the, the intentional piece is to, you Got know, it. not be petty right. and say, okay. I mean, cause I can be petty about giraffes in the street. I'm like, you right. know what? They didn't know. So let me say, so if you want to see giraffes, there are giraffes right? really far up north, a little bit farther out from where we're staying. Uh, but yeah, you'll probably see some chickens and some goats running around and they're right. safe and it's really cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it also comes with, with food too. Cause people are like, what y'all eat over there? Tarantulas? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, in America we have deemed, you know, cow, chicken, uh, uh uh, what else? A pig as suitable and appropriate things to eat. Uh, right. In other countries, tarantula, you know, worms, um, goat, you know, snakes are appropriate you know, bugs. Right. You know, sources of protein. You know, right. so it's just it, yeah, it's all about love. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's so no, but it is really dope that you that you're exposing them to that because the the you know once you see you know 
one culture that, that's kind of vastly different. It opens up your mind to the other cultures that's vastly different. And, and you don't start, and you can stop saying ill, you know, it, it, it may have an immediate kind of, you know, taken aback, but you, but you start to understand that just, you know, where you are is where you are. The world's a big place and there's vast differences. Um, and if we're going to get on the way we want to get on, you know, in the, in, in the future, we got to start to understand one another. We got to start to, to, to be okay with those differences. So, you know, I love how you guys are out here, um, you know, showing some showing folks how to how to how to do that um in any way that we can uh, be of assistance here um to doing just that uh we we like to be be you know of, of assistance with and um yeah man so uh if there's anything else that you want to share um you know please this is this is the time and if there's anything else you you know anything you want to ask us you know please please uh you know we're we're, we're open to answering what we can <laughs> Well, I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to talk to you and catch up with you. Uh, thank you for continuing to do this type of work and this uh, education and, and really focus on, you know, you know, black people. I mean, I'm not anti anybody else, but it's like it's important for there to be a sect of education that is really targeted to a community that for so long uh, did not have access. So I don't have a problem with with curating, you know, uh, stuff for people of color because for so long it was mandated by law that right. they could not, we could not read or right. we could not have access to information. So yes, um, yes, everyone in the planet gets to have access to the information, but, but there gets to be a focus specifically on black profiles and history. Um, so yeah, check um, out Everyday Black because I've I've seen it so far and and, and I, you know you 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 I don't even know how you do it. You cram so much information into into a minute a minute and a you know and a half. And it's, it's it's dope. Uh, and then people can obviously go on to you know to look and search for more. But just in that brief period of time, you know I I, I understand Madam C J Walker a little bit better today than I did you know prior to seeing your video. Yeah, I'm hoping, thank you. I mean, I'm hoping that I'm researching it and I really only have a minute, uh, a little over a minute because IGTV requires over a minute. So I hit probably 101 or 105 uh, just to kind of get it on there. But I'm learning, I'm reading it. It takes about an hour per person because I'm looking at all the information that I'm finding on the individual and I'm synthesizing it and trying to do like a couple one-liners that get it to be a minute. But my hope is that people just go and research more um, on their own right. and just understand that there's so much that, um, originated with, with people of color and, and black culture. And it's not just 28 days of February. It's just not that. It's right. actually, that's more of the propaganda that I'm looking to fight against. And it's like, look, there's a lot of information out there. Well, Jamal, somebody was like, well, after the year 365, you're going to run out. I'm like, <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> definitely not. So, right. you know, but that's, pro that's us. I'm 37. So that's 36 Februarys of Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Sojourner of Truth. Uh, Washington Carver, uh, you know, the greats, the legends, the right. people that we are so in, you know, uh, indebted to. Right. Uh, but there's 365 days and there's over 365 countries. Well, maybe there's, I don't know how many countries there are, but the Black experience is far and wide and deep. Right. Things that you use every day and things that you take, take for granted. Um, and we can go into detail in another time about cultural appropriation and Things of that nature where you don't even know that somebody black did it because the face of that particular thing is not black. <laughs> so, so anyway, thank you for highlighting me and thank you for talking to, to, to me about all this stuff. I'm excited about it. Go to Everyday Black. Go to KeonBrown.com. If you have people that you think I should highlight or if you're a school or a place that you want me to come and talk and, and say whatever, you know, encourage you, inspire you, that's the mission of my life. And so any way that I can do that, I'm like down with it. We love it. We love it. So thank you guys for being here today. Um, say peace out to Keon. And, uh, you know, you will absolutely positively see us working together more um, in the future. Thank you.